702. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Live, online. The 702 app, DSTV Channel 856, 92.7 and 106 FM. Coming up on the show today, inflation shoots up. What does that mean for interest rates? The ANC wants banks pro- prosecuted over RAND manipulation. The Justice Committee recommends Judges Motata and Chlopez removal. Mkwebane opposes the ANC and what will happen to the mayor of Kopanong municipality. And we'll try and understand what's going on at OpenAI and what it means for us. All of that over the next hour. 702. Let's walk the talk. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Midday Report on 702 and Cape Talk with me, Mandy Wiener. Good to be with you today. Consumer price inflation numbers out today. Not good news at all. Increasing for a third consecutive month, jumping to 5.9% in October. And that's up from 5.4% last month. We know that the Reserve Bank likes to keep it in that band between 3 to 6%. Uh, so what are they going to do when it comes to the Monetary Policy Committee meeting? Are they going to raise interest rates? What does that mean for, for your pocket and what the impact is? The higher food prices really pushing up uh, consumer price inflation. So we're going to speak about that in a second. What do you think about that? Send me a WhatsApp voice note. 72 0725671567. The ANC also having a press conference today speaking about uh, various issues. One of those is the uh, case against various banks around the manipulation of the currency or alleged manipulation of, of the currency. And the Minister in the Presidency, Kumbutso Nchaveni, has made some, some pretty um, strong remarks about the private sector, accusing the private sector of trying to collapse the government after several banks were found to have manipulated the RAND. Lots of reaction to that as well. We'll speak about that a bit later on in the show and what impact that will have on the private sector collaboration with government. We know that there uh, is this big effort by B4SA to collaborate with three different work streams with the public sector. So what is that going to mean now for that collaboration? But let's start with the numbers out of StatsSA today. Mialani Mkabela, economist, joining us to speak about that. Mialani, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. Did we expect uh, inflation numbers to, to jump up so much? Uh, good uh, afternoon and uh, listeners of uh, 702. Uh, like uh, I have welcomed the numbers as they are, uh, moving uh, uh, from 55 to 5.9%. Uh, but like what, what, like what I look at is uh, the Reserve Bank MPC still will be expected, uh, like will be expected to hold uh, the repo, uh, the repo rate unchanged uh, at 8.25 uh, as it is. So you think it'll hold it the same? We know that the Reserve Bank likes to keep inflation between 3 to 6%. You don't think there might be uh, an inkling from them that they're worried about inflation, that they, 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 they could maybe raise the repo rate? Look, uh, when you look on the uh, global, uh, like, uh, uh, like global like, uh, economy, you find that like, uh, inflation has eased uh, globally. And then you look on the... Uh, uh, supply chain bottlenecks uh, that has uh, mainly cleared up until now because there is uh, 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 continuity management in different uh, like markets that had uh, been having uh, problems. But like when you look on the local market, I don't really see these numbers 
as ones that could probably push the Reserve Bank MPC to hike a repo rates. But I think it is just, a, a, you know, like need them to think out of the box and understand the, uh, you know, like the, co- the consumer uh, activity that is happening in the uh, last uh, quarter of the year, whether it could be a household or businesses. They are involved in multiple uh, purchases to close the year. Uh, but at the same time, households are expected to uh, do uh, multiple uh, like retail uh, consumption, which it is just a seasonal uh, like element. Uh, and I don't really see uh, a need uh, of a repo rate hike, uh, which probably could uh, force uh, consumers to be on a stock. Uh, because when you raise, uh, uh, when you hike uh, like uh, the repo rate, the impact will be more, uh, uh, heavier to consumers and uh, uh, to both individual and business mm, consumers right. than just uh, looking at uh, holding. And I have been like really uh, uh, emphasizing one element to say inflation is not at a state where we can have uh, the MPC to think in a different uh, like mode uh, because when you look at mm. Uh, 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 like the English market or you look at the US market or the federal like reserve, you know, things are changing. And I think we need to uh, conform on that and then we move forward as well. Mielani, thank you very much. Uh, Mielani Mkabela, economist speaking to us there about those numbers from Stat SA. The higher food prices uh, are the factors that pushed up the uh, costings to consumers. Milk, eggs, cheese, inflation, that's up. We know eggs have uh, risen sharply because of the impact of avian flu as well. Uh, so uh, consumer prices increased on average by 0.9% between September and October. Um, food and non-alcoholic beverages, those are the big drivers of the increase in inflation jumping to 5.9% in October. 702 the midday report Monday to Friday 12 to 1 p.m. So the ANC says that uh, commercial lenders found to have manipulated the nation's currency should be charged with economic sabotage. So they want banks to be prosecuted for manipulating the currency. Last week, Standard Chartered admitting to manipulating the currency, agreeing to pay a penalty of around 43 million rand. This probe has been going on by the Competition Commission for eight years now into the bank's participation in an alleged cartel to manipulate the value of the rand. The Minister of the Presidency, Kumbuzo Nchaveni, made comments about this in the post-Cabinet statement. She's been clarifying those comments. Uh, she was speaking on Newsroom Africa and she's also been responding to some comments made by uh, Busisiwe Mavuso from Business Unity South Africa. Have a listen to this exchange on Newsroom Africa. The Minister's comments and claims are absolutely ludicrous. The government doesn't need our help in running this country down. They are doing a very good job of that on their own. And this is as a result of their own incapability, of their own incompetence, of the system of cadre deployment that we've been lamenting on for quite some time now. You know, if she claims that the failures 
of South Africa because of the private sector. Then I guess we are responsible for the failure in education and the failure in healthcare and the failure of municipalities. City of Joburg having had eight mayors in the last two years. You know, the failure of transport and logistics, the load shedding that we are currently all battling as a country, the water crisis, the fact that you've got thieves masquerading as government officials, and the list goes on. Minister, the worst case of the pot and the kettle, what's your response here? I think I just, I, I've met her in Busima Fuso, and I think uh, in terms of business, we'll stick with the comments made by Keskovadia, and uh, I, she's not worth responding to. And what I need to explain is that there is no scapegoating. In 2015, 28 financial institutions led by banks manipulated the rent and engineered a collapse or an attempt to collapse the South African economy. Eight years later, the investigations have not been concluded because they are not cooperating. So far, out of the 28 institutions, we've got two institutions that have come out, which is APSA and Standard and Charter. And we cannot prosecute because the banks are not, uh, and the financial institutions are not cooperating. If it was a government institution, there would have been court orders, there would have been NGOs getting to court to to, the, to force a, a, a quicker movement, there would be naming of who were the CEOs of those institutions and who were those in those meetings. But it has not happened. Why? Because we do not want to acknowledge. And in terms of what we call limitations in, 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 in government, I think we need to also go back and be realistic. And yesterday we had a, a, a debate in Parliament around the census, what we call the executive statement on, on the census. And we're indicating that in 1990s, compared to South Africa of 1994, 1996, and 1990 to South Africa of 2022, for the majority of the poor, South Africa is a better place. Minister in the Presidency, Kumbutson Chaveni, responding there to a comment by Busima Vuso in response to what the Minister has said about the private sector trying to collapse the government. Uh, so let's get more analysis on this now with Patrick Bond, who is a Professor and Director of the Centre for Social Change at the University of Johannesburg. Prof, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time. Cabinet says the manipulation of the RAND was part of the private sector's ongoing efforts to destabilise the government. The ANC wants banks to be prosecuted for this. How do you see this playing out? Well, I agree with both positions. That is, the uh, business sector uh, saying that the state is uh, not doing a very good job on this. It's slack at the regulation. And uh, the ANC saying the private sector is to blame. They're both right. Now, the really crucial question, now that this has become uh, a real scandal with yet another bank, Standard Chartered from London, which incidentally was, was born in 1857 in Quebec. It was actually a South African bank. And because of protest against apartheid by British uh, students and, and customers, they left uh, in the late 80s. And Standard Bank, that we know now is the biggest bank here, has uh, taken over the, the assets by local management and, and uh, rich individuals. But I think you have to agree uh, a lot of the culture of an old apartheid system in which a crime against humanity was very profitable for businesses and banks too, uh, that culture of um, systemic criminality has not ended. But don't take that from me. I'm a left-wing academic, so I can be dismissed. <laughs> no no question about that. But PwC, right, PricewaterhouseCoopers, which I would argue is, uh, you know, thanks to SAA and other of its clients, we know how corrupt they can be. And they say in their biannual 
Economic Crime and Fraud Report. During the 2010, South Africa was the number one country. Our corporates are, you know, Stanton and Stellenbosch and Schlange and, you know, kind of central Cape Town and, and uh, Rosebank elites. They're number one in the world for corruption. And so when you get 28 international and local banks doing business here, they just are going to break the rules. The Treasury and the Reserve Bank are assumed to the wheel. We do know that earlier this year, FATF greylisted South Africa, um, which uh, speaks to how we're able to deal with money laundering and it makes it more onerous to do business with South Africa. But does this really speak to um, regulation and what Treasury has done around regulation? Because this very much is a problem, as you say, that has existed for, for some time. Yes, and I would even point to, I think, a very indicative remark by the former finance minister, Tito Mboweni, he's been in and out of Treasury. Uh, he was a Reserve Bank governor, uh, although he's been replaced by Enoch Aranguana. Um, his role is a sort of revolving door between official institutions, the Reserve Bank and, and uh, Treasury, on the one hand, and these big international banks on the other, uh, like Goldman Sachs. This is reflective of the attitude there. So let me quote him from uh, March of 2019, about three and a half years ago. He says, quote, the Treasury has checked that the Reserve Bank likewise does not have any evidence of currency manipulation. And we would like to invite the Honorable Member, this was in Parliament, he was replying to uh, an economic freedom fighters MP, to, quote, provide any evidence if she has any. And so she had provided the original Competition Commission critique. And what was very clear from that exchange, where Mboweni just poo-pooed this and just said, we're not actually going to investigate it. We really need a clearing out. And that way, uh, with the sort of gray listing, we, I think, have a very good excuse, as your prior uh, uh, interviewee said, to have the Reserve Bank and Treasury think outside the box. To me, one of them would be a tighter regulation on all the flows of funds that come in and out. In other words, tighten exchange controls. And the current finance minister, Enoch Aranguana, about a year and a half ago in his February budget of 2022, actually released Four trillion rand because he reduced from 70% to 50% the amount of, of our funds and in institutional investments and insurance and retirement funds that uh, can be invested abroad. So we're seeing the opposite direction, which is really, frankly, a looting by our financial institutions. And now we've got these 28 and Standard Charter just being the, the most recent. There are five of already pled guilty in a sense and paid fines. Citibank, uh, 69.5 million the most. But we really need to, to have a societal demand that Treasury and Reserve Bank make a U-turn and end their deregulatory nudge-nudge, wink-wink, you know, kind of slack attitude to regulation. Yeah. Patrick, thank you very much. Uh, Patrick Bond, Professor and Director of the Centre for Social Change at the University of Johannesburg, uh, giving us some analysis there on this call by the ANC and by uh, government as well for uh, action to be taken against the banks for, uh, for currency manipulation. 702. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Let's walk the talk. So as you heard in that clip that I played earlier from Newsroom Africa, Busi Mavuso saying the government doesn't need help from the private sector to collapse it. They are collapse. They are quite capable of doing it themselves. Uh, the minister in the presidency, Kumbuto and Chaveni, responding to that, uh, saying, making comments that the private sector uh, and um, has tried to collapse the government uh, and because several banks were found to have manipulated the RAND. Vincent Maguena is the spokesperson for the president responding to that. Vincent, thank you so much uh, as always. 
always for your time on this show. I did ask the question that if, if the minister in the presidency is accusing the private sector of trying to collapse the government, what are the implications then for this collaboration between the private sector and the public sector that we've seen through B4SA? Uh, does this then erode that relationship at all? Good day, Mindy, and good day to the listeners. No, it does not, Mindy. We have a fantastic uh, collaborative framework between government and business, which has produced uh, tangible results in the energy space, uh, which is uh, working towards resolving some of the logistics backlog that we have in our ports. And so that collaborative framework will continue. Um, as I've stated, I think the minister has attempted to clarify her comments. Um, we are keen to say we cannot uh, use a horrible practice by individuals in financial institutions to A, tarnish the entire banking sector, which is highly regarded and well known to be world class, notwithstanding such unfortunate incidents. Secondly, we cannot uh, tarnish the entire private sector. Uh, as you said, and as you've alluded, we do have this collaborative relationship um, which covers the areas of energy logistics as well as fighting crime and, and corruption. Be that as it may, Vincent, if I was one of those CEOs who is part of one of the, the work streams, one of the three work streams, we know that there are various private sector CEOs who are collaborating, as you say, on these three work streams of energy, crime and corruption and logistics as well. And I heard uh, Kumbuzon Javeni accusing the private sector of trying to collapse the government. It may make me less inclined to want to assist the government uh, to, to improve on these various work streams. Is this merely a case of of her not uh, properly articulating what she was saying or is there real concern from the government that private sector is trying to collapse the government? No, I think I think it's unfortunately the minister's comments uh, weren't properly captured in their full context in this regard but there's no concern in government that the private sector is trying to collapse government. As I've said, um, I can give you an example with the resource mobilization funds that the private sector has contributed uh, to, to assist with the implementation of the energy action plan. The developments that we've seen at Kusila, for example, are partly due to skills that have been made available by the, by the private sector. And so um, I think the, the, your more mature private sector leaders uh, will, will, will understand uh, the, the comments in their full context. And they will not take it to be uh, some kind of uh, hostile uh, posture coming from government towards business. Vincent, thank you very much. Uh, as always, Vincent Maguena, spokesperson for the president, giving us clarity there. I'd love to hear from you, your thoughts on this. Send us a WhatsApp voice note. Do you believe that there is good collaboration? Um, we've seen the evidence of this. We've seen it with, for example, um, Home Affairs. We know that there is work there. We know that there's just been a big uh, transnet uh, policy that has been put out by the presidency as well around logistics, and that comes from collaboration with the private sector. Or do you think that this is uh, merely a case of Kumbuzo and Chaveni not uh, articulating herself well, or perhaps it's about interpretation of what she's saying. And also, is it really a, a matter here about, about the private sector also being held accountable? So often people criticize the fact that the private sector isn't held accountable in the same way that the public sector is. What's up, Mandy? On 072 702 1702.
Uh, hi, Mindy. It's Linda here in Lady Smith. You know, Mindy, this manipulation of uh, uh, rent by the banks, it shows that the South Africa private sector, uh, quite exactly, the minister is quite correct when he's saying the, the, aim, the, the their aim is to destroy the economy because also their aim is to maximize private profit at the expense of the poor of the of people. People they were busy saying uh, Zuma is him making a rent is him making the rent to fall while they were busy doing their dirty things. Linda from Ladies. Thank you very much uh, for that WhatsApp voice note. I think this is exactly what Vincent Maguenia was trying to to clarify in his comments, saying that uh, it's not what the pres what the Minister in the presidency meant saying that the private sector is trying to collapse the government. Um, so he tried to, to clarify that. I think there is definitely a sentiment that those in the private sector are not sufficiently held to account. Um, and we've seen in the cases, for example, like Tonga Hewlett, where there has been accountability. We have seen um, other instances where there has been prosecution, but I think people want to see convictions as well, the same way they do in the public sector. And it's why the ANC, it's why Cabinet also wants to see um, that there are proper attempts made to try and hold the banks accountable. Now, 43 million rand does not cut it, is what the ANC is saying. Do you agree? And now, it's back to Mandy Wiener on the Midday Report. This is 702. Let's walk the talk. 12.34 on the Midday Report. The Special Investigating Unit, the SIU, has released a a damning interim report on corruption that looks at uh, SAA, South African Airways. And it tells us that uh, SAA, before it went into business rescue, was fraught with financial irregularities to the tune of around 3.7 billion rand. So that investigation started in 2020 after the SIU found that sufficient evidence was there to justify a large-scale probe uh, it looked at several BBBEE procurement practices uh, and staff rebate travel. It tells us that uh, all sorts of things were going on at SAA. It really uh, is the story of state capture. Wayne Duvenage, the outer CEO, joining us to speak about this. Wayne, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, outer has uh, been very close to this investigation of SAA. Uh, we know that they, um, have this has been going on for, for a while. What is the... Uh, SIU report tell us and is this in line with what Arta uh, was seeing at SAA as well? So without doubt the SIU report exposes a lot more as well. I mean we've been working on certain pockets of the SAA debacle right uh, in 2016 when we uh, expanded our mandate and first met with uh, Cynthia Stimple at the time uh, and started with the BNP capital case. And eventually there's a number of cases. Uh, we had to do nearly declared delinquent just to get it out of the system. At that time, we didn't know whether Jacob Zuma was continue to be in power or not. And so we were trying various ways to, to exercise uh, this whole accountability process because the courts and the criminal justice system just wasn't doing its work and they're still very relaxed. So hope we, you know, we hope this report, which is an extremely damning one, it, ex- it just tells the, the horror story of what went on in one state-owned entity, how many jobs have been lost as a result of it, and the bailouts that have come and the cost to society, the cost to the country through one person, Dudunyeni, put there by Jacob Zuma uh, to go in and plunder the state-owned entity. And it is 
it is extraordinary to read that report. It's crazy. What makes it more extraordinary, as you say, is that no one has been held accountable. Uh, we know mm. that many are still living the high life. They have stolen public funds. Um, they are not being prosecuted. Then they haven't mm. been convicted. So, so what should happen now? Well, it's, it's so frustrating, Mandy, that, you know, from the Zonda report, from the Section 27 reports that we filed directly with the investigating directorate, from our case against Dudunyeni, uh, our civil case, and, uh, and what's come out of this report, that still to this day, people that are implicated, and there are people, accounting authorities, the CFO at the time, uh, and others, uh, nothing, literally nothing has happened. I think Saika has put, uh, has stripped uh, Yaki Quinana only of her, of her um, uh, chartered accountant's certification. But that's about the only accountability in our, in our delinquent director matter against Tudumnyeni. These people should have been hauled into a court long ago with all the evidence that's out there and others and tried and convicted and should be in orange overalls in jail. And it's so sad to sit here in 2023, reading this report and saying, now, we wonder how long it's going to take for the prosecuting process to pick up on this, and they have a lot of this information for years now, and do something about it. Because what we need is civil society, the people of this country, is to see accountability for state capture. Uh, Wayne, of course, this is viewed in context with what happened yesterday in the Middleburg Magistrates Court where the case mm. against uh, Machela Koko, the former acting ESCOM CEO, was kicked out effectively. Uh, Koko mm. has made comments about how that entire ESCOM section of the Zondo report can pretty much be thrown in the dustbin. Uh, well, where does this leave the Zondo report and what are your concerns about true accountability? Yeah, so look, I, I think uh, uh, Machella is, is, is disclaiming too much there. It doesn't really exonerate those that input and uh, or him. The case is just being going to have to be refiled uh, because there is an issue around justice. If the if the NPA and the and the criminal justice system is going to do its work professionally and properly and timelessly then places like this just get dragged out in court. We don't want that. We want them to be successful. So what this means to your question is that, you know, what frustrates us is the NPA uh, loses funds, yet the VIP protection uh, units get more funds, and we've seen how they behave. Uh, I think our government's got its priorities wrong. We should be pumping 10 billion rand into the NPA to get its capacity right and the investigating directorate, and I guess we, I reckon we would get tenfold of that back every year uh, just from uh, being effective as a, as a criminal prosecution uh, process. So, you know, we need to fix this and we need to fix it fast because it's getting very, very frustrating. Wayne, thank you so much. Wayne Duvenage is the outer CEO responding there to this report from the SIU on SAA. And something that Wayne has said is so important to point out here, and I couldn't agree more, is that what we need to be doing now is giving the NPA more funding. So we need to recapacitate the NPA. We need to make the investigating directorate permanent. They need to have investigative powers uh, and they need a budget. And that is the only way we are going to get convictions. So this case against Machelo Koko, as an example, needs to be brought back onto the court role. But what we also need to see is the ID having its own investi- investigative capacity so that it's not reliant on the police. 702. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Let's walk the talk. 
This morning, the Portfolio Committee on Justice and Correctional Services in Parliament deliberated on whether or not two judges, Judge John Klope and Judge Nkolomotata, uh, should be impeached or not. The judges were given until the 15th of November to make final submissions to the committee. There was a resolution today. Busisiwe Mkwebane, who does sit on that uh, that committee, pushed back against it. Lindsay Dentlinger, EWN reporter, joining us now. Lindsay, good afternoon to you. Thanks very much for your time. Uh, what exactly did the Portfolio Committee resolve? Good afternoon, Mandy. Well, in essence, it's uh, pretty simple. They have made it clear from the very beginning they're not here to rehash the matters which have led to the Judicial Service Commission um, recommending to Parliament that the two judges be uh, impeached. Uh, They are satisfied with the submissions, the written submissions that have been made by the two judges, even though both of them have asked for an oral inquiry, the committee saying not their job to conduct an inquiry, and that they are satisfied with the, the evidence put before them that the matter now be referred to the National Assembly, who will ultimately vote a two-thirds majority will be required, Mandy, um, to remove those judges from the bench. As you know, Judge Nkola Matata is a retired judge, but you are appointed as a judge for life, and so that would impact um, benefits and the like for him. And of course, um, Judge President John Schlope has been on suspension since last December um, with regard to a matter that, in his view, is still not finalised. Uh, tell me about Busisiwe Mkwebane, fighter who now sits on this committee on behalf of the economic freedom fighters. She's been pushing back uh, in favour. She did tweet, I saw, uh, she said it was heartbreaking that Klope um, and Mutata were being referred for impeachment. What has she been saying? Yes, she's made some interesting comments uh, this morning in both these matters. First, in the one dealing with Judge Nkola Matata uh, saying uh, to the committee, where is the spirit of Ubuntu, Mandy? She said African judges should not be treated in this way. Uh, What about the families of these judges? Judge um, Matata is retired and it doesn't serve in the public interest to impeach him. Uh, In the case of um, Judge John Schlope, she said the committee should intervene uh, and help him in his battle with the state attorney to get it to pay his legal fees so he can uh, continue that appeal in the Supreme Court of Appeal. Uh, And in the main, she felt that um, the committee was rushing uh, matters that, in her view, didn't uh, wouldn't serve the public in any way. She said these judges are the voice of the voiceless and uh, that they are being very poorly treated by this committee. Um, but the ANC's uh, Richard Janchi, who you will recall, chaired the inquiry into Putisiwem Kobani's impeachment in Parliament as the public protector, uh, hit back saying Parliament wasn't here to deal with, uh, with feelings. They were working with facts and with evidence before them, uh, and they couldn't allow their judgment to be clouded by the way um, their personal feelings in the matter. Uh, the ANC's Museko um, Jele also saying that this was not a matter about Ubuntu and not about being heartless or whether or not they liked the judges. They had to go with the evidence before them and, and follow the prescripts of the law. Lindsay, thank you very much. Lindsay Dentlinger, EWN reporter. Thank you for your time giving us an update there on the deliberations of the Portfolio Committee on Justice and Correctional Services, referring the Western Cape Judge President, Judge John Chlope and Judge Nkola Mortata for impeachment. 702. 702. Mandy Weiner. Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m.
The disciplinary hearing of EFF members continuing before the Powers and Privileges Committee in their absence today in Parliament. Babalo and Denze, EWN report on that one for us. Babalo, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. Yesterday we spoke about what uh, a few of the scenarios could be. One of them could be that the EFF uh, fighters who are before the Powers and Privileges Committee may miss the State of the Nation next year. Where are we with uh, this uh, these proceedings today? Uh, yes, indeed, Mandy. It looks like um, the sanctions might be a bit more than what we spoke about yesterday on the 10 days, um, which was um, put forward by the initiator, um, advocate Anton Katz. Um, now, the members have agreed with the initiator that the EFF MPs Malema and Shivambu Mwisani Nklozi, as well as Marshal Lamini and a, a former spokesperson and Pambo, as well as the current spokesperson, Sinao Tambo, um, agree that they are guilty of, you know, um, grossly disorderly conduct as well as bringing Parliament, you know, being in contempt of Parliament, I beg your pardon. And they've, you know, agreed on a range of sanctions, mainly, which now is not just 10 days, it's a 30-day, and, you know, we're finding them a month's salary with that 30 days. Um, Dr. Annelie Rotrit of the DA has suggested that they also be suspended for a month, and uh, not just 10 days, for the entire month of February. And there's also an apology not just to the president but to the entire country in the national assembly or in the house so the eff sanctions they've agreed on these three sanctions really um, and you know really apologizing to the president as well as a month salary docking which um the, the which the national assembly still has agreed to which they most likely will so they've agreed with all the evidence put before them but the eff has also written to the committee this is now despite them walking out mandy on monday they've written to the committee again a second letter to the committee saying that the, the evidence that was presented by the secretary of the national assembly you know um that what they did was you know unlawful and should not have happened they saying that you know they had every right to do that they were protesting and you know they have you know the constitutional right to to protest and they are therefore not guilty of what they're being accused of but but that letter was was dismissed by by the committee as well as the initiator and they've now agreed on this, on on these different sanctions Matthew. Babalo, thank you very much. Uh, Babalo and Denze, EWN reporter, giving us an update there on the Portfolio Committee on Justice and uh, uh, apologies on the disciplinary hearing of the EFF members continuing before the Powers and Privileges Committee in their absence. What's up, Mandy? On 072-702-1702. Do you believe the spokesman for the presidency tried to clarify anything? He will believe anything. He was just spin doctoring around every question you posed to him. Uh, what the minister said was what she said. And she didn't uh, miss whatever, misspoken or whatever. That's what she said. And uh, yeah, uh, nothing was clarified. Hi, Mandy. This is Dikiro from Tembisa here. Yes, I think the ANC this time they are having correct, they are on the correct path. 43 million is nothing. It's a pocket change to private sector. Those guys. Uh, are collapsing our economy look at the poor of the poorest look at the, the, the high inflation on everything that we have the, the petrol prices the food prices everything those guys are missing up 43 million is nothing it's a pocket change to those guys uh, Josie on the WhatsApp line says, Mandy, you're much too intelligent to believe that we, the plebs, have misinterpreted Kumbuzo's comments, read the evil private sector. Please don't dumb down to please the ANC. Uh, so, 
I mean, Vincent's um, job is to speak on behalf of the president. We know that he's a spin doctor, right? And he was trying to clarify what Kumbuzo and Chaveni said. Um, but what what Kumbuzo and Chaveni said is what she said. Uh, and she's made these comments about about government. And um, I think that you can use your own discretion there. Uh, we did give Vincent Maguenia an opportunity to respond, to attempt to clarify. But I see that uh, many of you do not agree necessarily with what he is saying. 702. 702. Mandy Wiener. Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m. The ANC also making comments about uh, the banks, how they should be held accountable. Fakila Mbaluna, the Secretary General of the ANC, having a press conference today. Um, my understanding of this press conference was that he was going to be dealing with the issue of the banks, um, that he was going to be speaking about an errant mayor as well. At City Madia, what was the purpose of this press conference? Good afternoon. So it was actually last night. Um, I was actually quite surprised as well. So he had said he'd speak about a range of issues, even about opposition parties. But after like an hour of that live alert waiting to go off, he comes at the podium and he really uh, lays it hard, thick, into the mayor at Kalanitzalitzale of the Kopano municipality about his video. You might have seen that video that went viral was circulating where he goes into a resident's private home and is threatening him and pretty much verbally attacks him. And walks away and there's young children who are also there um, his minor kids are there as well so it was about that incident but Mbalula coming down hard saying that it was an embarrassment for brand a and c that they must take immediate action to deal with this the sense that you'll get as you watch that is geez um action had to be taken because you can't treat residents like that because this man supposedly complained about the potholes um but Balula came down so hard that you can't sit and you can't help but sit and think. But what about your ministers who are often found wanting? You can't say that those tiny mayors, but the part into disrepute, must be recalled immediately. Must be dealt with so. It must be so election urgent. season. That's what I said. It I must be myself, election season, City. Hmm, this kind of action can only be uh, election season. But you know what, Mandy turns out to be a little bit more convoluted than that. There are fights about the list conferences. This young mayor is supposedly set to become an MEC. So there's fights about positions and ultimately there's a fight about Project 2027. Who will back a Figuil and Balula presidency in the ANC or not? But at the heart of it, though, there's this issue around this resident where the mayor did go to this house. I actually spoke to the mayor a short while ago and he said that thing was behind them. They did apologize and said it's not about the potholes. It's about the language used by the resident that, 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 that got to him. Uh, it's pretty astonishing the fact that Fikile Mbulula did have a, a, an entire press conference live, about this yeah. <laughs> live. Um, uh, that could have been a statement. It could have been a tweet. We know that he is quite fond of using X. It could have been a tweet. Why? I mean, I know you've explained <laughs> that this is more complicated, but... I believe it's the politics. So the thing about politics, and you and I, I think, know that, is nothing's ever in isolation. Things happen because other things are happening in the background when it comes to politics. So if you listen to people in the free state, because people are up in arms about Mbalula's actions. That's Mbalula's home province. Some will say to you, but you know, if you are in a contest, an internal contest, your name has come from your province. So this guy, the mayor, Orani is also the youth league chairperson. So they feel that he's not an amenable to what Mbalula and his people want. But you must also remember, Yakas Fontaine Mandy is where we had the mudslides. Yes. So there's conversations in the background about contracts to try and restore damage. So it's never 
one single thing. So there's a back and forth about money. There's a back and forth about power and positions. Typical politics. And of course, add elections to the mix. Oh, always fun. We're going to have lots of fun conversations over the next few months. Didi Madia, EWN's Associate Politics Editor. Thank you for your time. 702. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Let's walk the talk. Something a little bit different now. You know, we like to cover everything on, on the Midday Report. If you've been following the developments around Open A Open AI and Sam Altman, it's been so intriguing to watch what's going on. If you're a user of ChatGPT, then this will interest you as well. So Sam Altman was uh, the Open AI head and then the board kicked him out. And then he there was a big announcement that he was going to Microsoft to go and lead uh, their um, AI division and now all of a sudden he's agreed to return to lead open AI according to a post on X. So this has all been going on just over the past few days. Arthur Goldstack is the founder of Worldwide Works joining us to explain all of what, all of this and what it means for us. Arthur, good afternoon to you. Thank you so much for your time. Why, why should we hear at the bottom tip of Africa be concerned about Sam Altman and what is going on at OpenAI? Well, the, the real concern is that the spoke in the wheels that the board of OpenAI placed uh, in the way of uh, ChatGPT has indications for everyone who is using generative AI because uh, ChatGPT is a forerunner. It's the first to roll out uh, the, the new features and functions and the ability of human beings to enhance their own output using an online tool that costs uh, very little. And uh, the investment that has gone into open AI and the value of uh, open AI means that it remains the forerunner in AI evolution. And uh, the board had wanted to, in fact, put a halt to almost the aggressive pursuit of what comes next in AI. And uh, they uh, fired Sam Altman for a number of reasons, but that is the key reason. Uh, they wants to almost put the brakes on AI uh, evolution. So they didn't share his vision. And at the same time for us down here in South Africa, uh, we would find ourselves, if ChatGPT was suddenly to close down tomorrow, we would find ourselves floundering for an equivalent tool. There are equivalent tools, I have to say, um, but ChatGPT is the most powerful in terms of demonstrating uh, new capabilities and is about to roll out a set of mm. possibilities and capabilities that makes AI a commercial opportunity for every one of us. Arthur, is this really about an ideological difference between Sam Altman and, and the board? Is it about whether they pursue commercial um, interests or not? I think it is uh, ideological, but it's also a difference of uh, vision. And uh, quite um, coincidentally, the new chairman of the board, uh, who has now asked Sam Altman to come back, uh, Brett Taylor, is someone I interviewed two years ago when he was still um, co-CEO of uh, Salesforce. And I asked him about the secrets of the uh, rapid growth at a time when we were coming out of the pandemic and everything was slowing down. And what he said then is actually highly relevant to what um, OpenAI and Sam Altman was trying to achieve. Uh, he said there were three secrets. He said the one was about being heavily customer focused. And that's Altman's approach. He's looking at the user. 
He's not looking at mm. nebulous uh, vision. Uh, the second one was about the economic and demand environment, and that's exactly what yeah. um, uh, ChatGPT has been targeting. And the third and the most important, and I think this is why there's been such a revolt against the old board, he said the third uh, factor is that ancient secret of business success, which is execution. And there were few CEOs who were more effective mm. at execution than Sam Altman. Uh, right. Take him out of the mix and you probably are bringing in a fairly uh, bland equivalent in comparison to Altman. Altman executed yep. exceptionally well. And that's what Brett Taylor clearly recognizes as well. Arthur, thank you so much for explaining that for us. Uh, Arthur Goldstuck, founder of Worldwide Works, explaining what's going on at OpenAI.